We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Rotowire NFL podcast brought to you by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. John McKechnie, Mario Puig hanging out with you on this Thursday. Football officially back as of tonight. We got the Hall of Fame game coming up between the Broncos and the Falcons. Not surprisingly, there's not going to be a ton of starters or big name players playing in this one, but it's better than nothing. It's football. Yeah, I'm excited to not pay any attention to it. Do we know, are they going to, do they name any particular starters that they're holding out or anything? Oh, start like actual start. I know that they, that the Broncos named Kevin Hogan the starter for for this evening. If, oh, if that doesn't get your that, juices flowing. Is that good? Yes. Um, okay. I mean, Drew, Drew Locke uh, on the hot seat. Is already. that good for Drew Locke? Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, That's crazy. I think, I think like Deshaun Hamilton isn't, isn't going to be playing. Um, so that, that could open up some some targets for the you know the backup receivers i think emmanuel sanders they're gonna they're probably gonna keep him out right. as well on the Broncos side of things and as, as far as the falcons go i'd be shocked if julio jones or uh or calvin ridley were out there in any capacity yeah so i don't even know how to approach a preseason dfs kind of thing like i, f- I feel like if we had some sort of uh you know depth chart released before the game or something i'd be like okay i know i know which one of these guys are are going to do whatever but yeah no Emmanuel Sanders no Deshaun I would guess and so 
what are we going to do? Uh, like the the new star of the backfield in Denver, Theo Riddick. I don't think he can do anything today. Did, like, has he even arrived in Denver yet? Do we even know? Uh, he's yeah. I guess he must have been he's working the, out the there or something. Dry, yeah. I expect him to get cut. To be honest, like I I don't think Devonte Booker is particularly good, but I would take Booker, Kalfani Muhammad. I don't know who Devonte Jackson is, but I'd take him over Theo Riddick. I would take Theo Riddick over Dave Williams, the uh, South Carolina Arkansas back. That's the other guy on the depth chart, but that's the only one that I would take Riddick over. Okay, well, we'll we'll dive into that into that signing uh, here in a minute, but yeah, in, in general, I think that like preseason DFS is a tough nut to crack in and of itself, but the Hall of Fame game I feel like is particularly wacky because I mean, we are so early in the training camp. Like teams have been practicing for a week, maybe. Obviously, these teams reported a little bit earlier so they could get the head start and, and get ready to actually have the bodies to to play a 60 minute organized football game but yeah th- this is going to be uh, a glorified scrimmage by for all intents and purposes and the guys that are seeing the most most of the playing time uh, we probably will not be seeing much of uh, once the season actually starts uh, before we get into the meat of the podcast and, and today we'll be talking about Mario's most recent article uh, going into uh, some guys that are being underdrafted uh, in in deeper leagues going outside the top 200 as far as their ADP is concerned so a lot of good names to, to kind of add to add to your uh, watch list uh, that we'll be getting into here and then we'll talk a little bit more about this Hall of Fame game but before that it's officially August which means football season is around the corner and Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball that lets you get in on the action now with Best Ball your draft you draft your fantasy football team and that's it you don't need to do a thing since since you've already drafted your team each week the top scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score forget about the time commitment no waiver wire no trades no adding or dropping players no having to make those tough start or sit decisions focus on the best part of fantasy football the draft tired of doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having the other players drop out early or not even finish the draft free best ball leagues give you the most accurate adp or average draft position of players before the season even starts can't get enough fantasy football but don't want to manage those teams all season you can draft up to 50 best ball teams over there on yahoo play for free or play for cash but most importantly get to drafting with yahoo fantasy best ball join a league today at yahoo.com slash best ball so we, we touched on it there for a second i think that there you know you obviously have kind of stated your case already but it seemed like there is a bit of an outsized reaction at least initially i think i think this time of year that that sort of thing is is prone to happen but denver signing uh, this uh, theoretic after you know everyone had kind of already settled in on their opinions and kind of locked in how they're valuing Philip Lindsay and, and Royce Freeman. Maybe this throws you know throws a wrench in things and and you know I think some initial reaction and like you mentioned had to do with Devonte Booker and maybe him being on the hot seat. So what's sort of like your overall uh, take on this signing? I just don't think theoretic is any good. Like he was not a prospect at all uh, at Notre Dame he was kind of a slot receiver and a running back failed at both basically he was a pretty high recruit but he doesn't have anything you know toolsy as far as athleticism so there's nothing to project as far as upside like there would be with his uh, former teammate CJ Procise for example and uh, so if Procise gets cut from Seattle and he signed with Denver that'd actually be more intimidating to me as a Lindsay or Freeman investor than Riddick because I just don't I don't know what you can do with the guy like he can't run 
the whole justification for having him in an offense or on a team is what he does as a pass catching specialist and yet he he had one good season to be fair in that capacity back in 2015 had 80 catches for 697 yards on 99 targets that's legitimately good right but it turned out that you know I don't know what the the exact cause is I don't know if it was just that it was a new trick and defenses adjusted to it pretty quickly or if he was kind of just lucky that year but the efficiency fell off a cliff there never was any explosiveness to him he was always like at best a chain moving kind of presence and um you know if you're in Denver in particular if you're putting him on the field instead of Philip Lindsay you're just inviting a loss like it doesn't make any sense to do that I know he could just be insurance to them but there's no evidence that Riddick would be better than Kalfani Muhammad or the rookie Devontae Jackson or whatever uh Booker too makes more sense to me than uh Riddick does and uh yeah I just I don't see what it is with him that it, it to me it's just as simple as Jim Bob Cooter thought like this is cool this guy's a running back and a receiver at the same time his his mind was blown by that and how does he do it yeah and so it's like we got to get this guy on the field it's like he's a running back and a receiver wow and it didn't really it's that's stupid you can do that with any slot receiver and some teams have like jd mckissick you know he was a slot receiver at arkansas state better running back in my opinion than uh than theoretic is and i guess even precise also in seattle is a reasonable comparison to that but you can take any mediocre possession receiver at the college level who's five foot ten 200 pounds moving just call him a running back motion him out of the backfield instead of having him line up against corners and you can go like wow look at what a good pass catcher he is anybody can do that against linebackers if they're a college receiver you know right. that's and that's so i think riddick is just a mirage i think he's gonna burn out real quick okay um but do you think at the very least, even if he he doesn't end up making this 53-man roster, do you take this to mean anything towards how the team might view Devontae Booker, this new coaching staff? Yeah, I don't know. It's It, it might be like uh, just kind of accumulating bodies with the presumption that some of them are going to get hurt. And then and if, it, if it happens, like worst-case scenario, you cut Riddick. And, you know, maybe in October, one of the top three guys gets hurt. Then you got a guy who already knows the playbook kind of decent. I guess the Saints did something like that. I don't know if it was already two years ago or if it was last year, but with like Terrence West and Shane Vereen. You knew they weren't going to make the teams. Like, what the hell are they doing with them? They're not special teams players. And I think it was just they were trying to kind of see what shape they were in and get them familiar with the playbook in case they needed an in-season call-up, basically, like kind of giving themselves a farm system. Yeah. So... That's the best guess I have. I I don't think it's going anywhere, and if, if people let it affect the ADP of Lindsay, I will probably target Lindsay in response. Okay, I think I think that, that makes plenty of sense. Uh, I, you kind of talked me down from it. I think, like, in, initially, my, my knee-jerk reaction, I, I think, definitely was like, oh, theoretic, like, is going to be, like, this annoying guy that, like, leeches some, some like, passing down It would be annoying if he played, because he would just be a drain, and obviously, if he's on the field, Lindsay probably isn't. Uh, unless they move Riddick back to receiver where he played at Notre Dame, but that would be weird. It's it's kind of just a strange look generally because Denver Press, and you have, you have to wonder almost if like the team is kind of feeding lines to these reporters at this point, but they're hyping everybody on that offense. That's right. They're hyping Devontae Jackson, this uh, West Georgia or something. I, I, I don't think he's going to stick around very long. Kalfani Muhammad already is pretty much uh, burned out at the NFL level. They've been hyping – 
Juwan Winfrey, uh, Trinity Benson. Uh, Juwan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's a special teamer. Sure. Like he's going to be a gunner. And uh, Trinity Benson, the undrafted guy from the East Central Oklahoma or whatever that school is that David Moore was at. Mm -hmm. And they're talking about, they're talking about Benson is like, oh my God, he's so good. It's like Benson, they're, they're specifically saying he's so fast. Wow. But he had a 40 yard dash at the pro day that was, uh, 0.01 slower than David Moore at like I think almost 40 pounds less. Ooh, like David Moore is like t- uh, 220 pushing something like that, and uh, I think Benson is an even 180. And so it's like I mean he might stick around. He's I mean, interesting. Is the, is, is the 40 in and of itself like fast enough though? Yeah, it's like a four four four. I think he ran, but Moore ran a four four three or something, and no one calls him a burner or anything. But the in any case, it's one of those things. It's like have you guys just never seen NFL football players before? Like it's, this is really not remarkable at all. Right. And yet you're hearing all these things like, wow, Devonte Jackson and Trinity Benson running with the first team. Like Brendan Langley makes some sense. Like he was a former Georgia receiver recruit. They spent a third round pick on, uh, even if he was a corner, but yeah, this, the stuff is like Trinity Benson is really forcing them to reconsider things like, wow, that's not good. Yeah. It's a, it's a very bizarre uh, situation. So I don't believe it. Basically. I think it's all just kind of, just noise. Okay, I I think that that's probably the best way to put it. And especially, I mean, like the calendar like just turned to August. Like it, you know, if things were you know solidified or for a couple weeks from now, and we're we're talking about Riddick and we've seen him like light it up in preseason games, maybe we have to start having a different conversations. But obviously, neither of us expect that to happen. Uh, before we get into the uh, DFS uh, segment of this show, you know, just briefly uh, talking about tonight's game there. We got a message from our friends over at Superdraft. The future of daily fantasy sports has arrived. Experience Superdraft's exclusive game mode, Multiplier. Say goodbye to salary restrictions and hello to lineup freedom. Use your fantasy sports knowledge to draft any player you want and build your very own dream team. Countless lineup possibilities let you experience daily fantasy sports the way that you want. Superdraft offers contests for NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, and PGA, so you can enjoy the best of DFS all year round. Sign up for Superdraft today using promo code ROTOWIRE and claim your free $5 in Supercash and a free $3 entry with your first deposit. Download in the App Store or play at Superdraft.io. Superdraft, no limits, more winning. So if you were to look at tonight's game, and obviously we mentioned where there's you know, a lot of the a lot of the bigger name guys aren't going to be suiting up tonight as is, you know, just sort of the norm for the Hall of Fame game. Some of those guys that you're mentioning, the guys that the Broncos were hyping up, do you have I'm picking all of them? Of yeah. 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 No, I'm not going to play, but it would be those kinds of guys that I would target because you don't really know what these teams are trying to do in a game like this. In certain play uh, preseason situations, you can kind of tell like, oh, they're trying to showcase this guy so they can get a seventh round conditional pick before they cut him. Usually those are like vet, like veteran types that are already kind of like yeah. teetering on their way out and it wouldn't guys. it wouldn't really be this game that they try to do it because it's it's just a circus like no one's really studying this game they're just kind of you know probably getting hammered and and just kind of going like hooray football mm-hmm. so but in a game like that it would specifically be the guys like Kalfani muhammad who you know maybe he's not an nfl running back but he is fast as hell and so in a preseason game if the stakes are kind of just basement level no one actually cares people are just playing sloppy he can give it an 80 yard touchdown he, he only needs a couple carries to give you you know a, the kind of tournament output you're looking for but Devonte jackson 
also well on the radar david williams too even though he's just one of the he's like rob kelly bad as far as a prospect goes to me uh those three guys kind of seem like the best running backs to target on the denver side to me because it doesn't seem like they'll feed Lindsay or freeman i guess you could say the case for booker because he i guess if anyone would be the one that they try to pump up for a trade uh so yeah it's between those four guys and the denver side is what i would probably be most interested in i don't know what to make of the quarter like do you pick a quarterback in these games or is it just you everybody's the same position because it's single game i think yeah it's It's all showdown mvp and then your flex okay so i don't know if i would consider any of the quarterbacks worth it i don't have any faith in kevin hogan drew Locke. i guess could throw a ball very far is it in denver uh it's in canton oh canton that's right hall of fame is there maybe we'll get the situation where was it was it like a couple years ago where like the field was melting so they had to just call off the the hall of fame game oh i don't remember like the the turf had had like overheated and and like the (laughs) the paint was giving off like like i kind of remember that i I don't i i I was paying such little attention that it didn't really register to me but i feel like i kind of remember something like that too i can always giggle at, at those kind of just that would be pretty Strange funny. Things, yeah. I mean, I hope it doesn't happen so that everybody who's really excited about their Tim Patrick lineups don't have to suffer that sort of disappointment. But uh, yeah, I don't know if I would target those quarterbacks. It would have been interesting if it was in mile high because then Locke could ch- chuck it like 90 yards or whatever, and that's, that's yeah. something. Um, but yeah, maybe, I don't know. Do you think Noah Fant gets a look in a game like this? They maybe give him like some third string snaps to get him rolling against some easy competition. I wonder more if if they try to expose the the tight ends that are more fringy guys on their roster. Bug Howard, are you playing today? That would be my captain. Yeah, I would just Bug Howard is my oh captain, my captain. Just Uh, I guess he's out. He's out. (sighs) Fudge. Yeah. Anyway, that would have been that would have been fun. Um, so yeah, I guess I would I would go at you know fast guys who catch the ball a little bit like Kalfani Muhammad, Devontae Jackson isn't exactly fast, but he can catch the ball. Do you think like Ito Smith gets any sort of exposure in this game? I don't know. It's a guy like him and Muhammad Sanu are interesting because like Julio and Calvin Ridley aren't going to play, or I would assume uh, Justin Hardy kind of interesting on the Atlanta side. But uh, it's like if if we know Mohamed Sanu were playing in this game, he would probably be so much better skill wise than pretty much anybody else who is playing, and that alone would make him kind of interesting, meaningless as the game is, no matter what. But on the Atlanta side, generally, I would look at guys like, yeah, Justin Hardy, Olamide Zacchaeus is on that team, and I guess he's doing pretty good, so he's pretty oh, interesting that's good to hear. Super he, versatile. Yeah, he could get carries or catches or both uh you know matt schaub is a way better backup than kevin hogan sure. or drew lockar so if i'm going at a passing game it would probably be the atlanta one first but those uh those atlanta running backs and the backups are pretty interesting too i mean tony brooks james wasn't as fast as he looked at oregon but he's quick and small and kind of is a similar presence as like Kalfani muhammad or Devonte jackson on the denver side and they're gonna have to give a quite a bit of work i think to kwaje allison allison and Brian Hill this preseason. I don't know what to make of Kenyon Barner. He's there too, but he might be like a guy they know is just the special teams guy at worst slash best. And uh, maybe they're more so like auditioning Allison and Hill for the the running back three distinction specifically. Yeah, they they do need to get that figured out. I, well, I'm not totally sure if that if that happens tonight, but I, I do think that like Allison would, would definitely be worth some consideration more more so than Brian Hill and uh, our guy Kevin Payne, who really did do the uh, the 
the dirty work here and dove into this. Slate. Oh yeah, just look at that article. Yeah, look at that article. Super helpful. Uh, check that out over on on rotowire.com under the daily section. It's up there. Don't uh, even he, need a subscription for that. Exactly. So you, you just uh, yeah, he likes Allison a fair bit uh, for tonight. So. Think about that before you're uh, making your lineups. Uh, Mario, before we jump into your best ball article, we got a message here from Fantasy Draft. FantasyDraft.com would like to bring you an important message about Rake. Are you tired of paying high fees to play Daily Fantasy? Did you know that over time, these fees called Rake can cost Daily Fantasy players over 30% of their bankroll? As Daily Fantasy sites continue to raise Rake, prize pools are being squeezed more and more, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More rake just means more money lining the pockets of the big DFS sites and less money for players. But change has arrived. Fantasy Draft has changed the game by bringing you rake-free daily fantasy. That's right. You're now able to play your favorite contests without paying any rake. On On Fantasy Draft, 100% of entry fees will be paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. Playing your favorite contests rake-free on Fantasy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake-free daily fantasy is truly a game changer. Just imagine what playing on Fantasy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at FantasyDraft.com today to take part in the rake-free revolution. Use promo code RWNFL to receive a free seven-day trial. All right, Mario, so I'm in a best ball right now, and we're, we're it's going at an embarrassingly slow pace. I was going to say, I feel like you told me about this like three weeks ago. Yep, and okay. uh, <laughs> it's, it's not that bad, but uh, we're definitely you know a week into it by now, and I've made 11 picks, I think, so far. I don't know how that compares to your usual ones for the eight-hour clocks, but I think it's because people, some people in those those slow ones, they wait for their full uh, time allotment just in case somebody gets hurt or like arrested or something, and then they can be like, "Aha!" I, I think you're giving I think you're giving the people way too much credit. Okay, I think that they're just like lazier; they forget about it. Just too much Cheeto dust in their phone keys to get the picks to go in correct that's they have have to to go to a library and use their internet (laughs) and the library computer is also covered in cheeto dust and it's just because they've done this before yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's a vicious cycle but yeah i'm still waiting on on to uh, make my uh, 12th pick here but we're getting close i'm only like a handful of picks away here two more um but uh we're talking about guys that are going outside the top 200 right now um a guy that is the top backup to obviously Josh Jacobs is is the top fantasy uh, rookie just in general and especially at the running back position. But you know you can't just give a hundred percent of your of your uh, running back touches and snaps to just one guy, especially not anymore. Jalen Richard is someone that you have kind of penciled in or started to keep an eye on uh, because of his pass catching acumen. Uh, we both agree that Josh Jacobs is good at that, but Richard proven at the NFL level. Yeah, Richard will cost a little more on the uh, fanball best ball tens because it's PPR scoring, whereas on draft it's half point PPR. So I just looked at the best ball 10 ADP from the last two weeks or something, and he's about at 180, 181.31 to be specific. And in draft, or on draft, I guess I should say, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he's more like around the 200 range with, you know, there's there's variation in there because sometimes someone like me will be in a draft where somebody's already got like seven running backs in the 11th round, and so I'm waiting to get my third in the 13th, and I I realize, you know, if I wait till the 14th round, I might be down to like, I don't know, uh, 
Darwin Thompson or something. So I'm like, I got to get a running back three. This could get out of hand. I might take Jalen Richard there, but in a lot of drafts that I'm not in, he goes undrafted. So that's how you kind of get, you know, there's there's a range there. He won't go in the same place every time, but he often will be there in the 18th. He'll go undrafted plenty of times. And that's just crazy because some of these running backs people are taking are going to get cut. And I guess I guess I shouldn't take that. I, I shouldn't be so flippant because I guess there's a chance Jalen Richard could get cut if he gets a little too crazy about this uh, vaccine stuff in public. But if he doesn't, do <laughs> you think Gruden would be like, so you don't like so vaccines are bad? Can yeah, you, Gruden will just be instantly more? convinced. Yeah, <laughs> got to get rid May- of this Josh May- Jacobs. He's like- <laughs> <laughs> he believes this false science that the, oh yeah i mean it doesn't make any sense because like the pharmaceutical like the pharmacy industry is all a racket it's it's organized crime but they don't make their money on vaccines you know <laughs> they can make their they make their money on like insulin and epipens and crap like that so the idea that it's like a conspiracy to rip off everybody with vaccines is so stupid uh, the whole oh that that's what his specific take on it was oh well that's like the whole anti-vaccine thing in general and i guess someone listening to this might send me death threats or something because right, so they we'll, all we'll take it very back soon. on course i tweeted about jalen richard back when that stuff came out and there's just like randos searching for his name to sell to, to tweet at people like me like you don't know anything he's correct <laughs> it's like, dude you don't even know who like they they have a hero in the, in the sports world finally and they they'll defend him at all costs and it's like hey if if those people keep him on the Oakland roster that works for me cuz i have a lot of shares and I, I would like to get that you know nice floor that Richard gives you even on draft even in half ppr uh he can give you a pretty nice like 10 point floor in a lot of weeks which it's not the upside you're looking for but it's it's nice to have the knowledge that like if one of your guys gets hurt or just has a weird, stupid, bad game, you don't take a zero yeah. as long as you have Jalen Richard. So I'm getting a lot of shares of his, especially if it's back at like the 17th, 18th round. And, uh, you know, he was tied for the team lead in receptions last year with Jared Cook, who isn't there. And if you don't think Darren Waller is going to pick that all up, and if I know Antonio Brown and Tyrell Williams are there, but uh, they had plenty of targets to go around last year. Like they should need to throw the ball this year because their defense should be bad forever and Richard could lead them in reception or sorry lead them in uh backfield receptions again which could be another 65 to 70 catches of course Antonio Brown will uh lead the team in receptions if healthy but I wouldn't concede that Tyrell Williams is a lock to I think it's like a 60 percent kind of thing like you know uh not even with injury it's just like he's a guy who might be a downfield receiver who does 17 yards a catch or something and that just it just tends to not really jive with Derek Carr's game yeah that part is a concern also so, so that so that's why I, I I like Tyrell Williams in general but yeah the, the fit to me is weird and, and yeah like it when when we, when we have the PPR context we're not going to be seeing a super high volume of, of catches for Williams like you said shorter routes that's where Richard can help and specifically or I guess I should mention like he's not just a you know, body who's there just picking up this work because no one else is good enough to. Richard is probably one of the best pass catching running backs in the league. He's very good at it. And um, he, let's see, like for his career, he's got a 77.6% catch rate at 6.8 yards per target. Uh, that's way better than Theo Riddick. Oh, John's making his pick, everybody. Hey. Oh, God. Oh, no, you're only I'm, on deck. On deck so you this... have to wait another day and a half. <laughs> it's going to be midnight before I'm picking again. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, who are you going to pick? Oh, boy, maybe Dallas Goddard. Uh, okay, yeah, who's your first tight end? 
uh, Ninjoku. All right. Do I need to back him up with that high? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, who's who's on the board? Which round is this? Eleven, you said? Uh, yeah, end of the end of the twelfth. Actually, end of the twelfth. Okay. So Metcalf, Ido Smith, Matt Breda, Jack Doyle, Dallas Goddard, Chicago defense are all right there. Oh, um, I mean, I am a Breda truther, even though I'm also a Tevin Coleman truther. So that's interesting. But yeah, I think that's the range Goddard usually goes. I mean, and draft, I think he's actually a little more valuable because. The half point PPR makes touchdowns more important, and I think he profiles as a pretty good touchdown threat. And if Zach Ertz gets hurt, you know, God forbid, Goddard goes nuts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense there. And you know, between him and Njoku, that might be enough to do the trick because they both. I mean, Njoku obviously profiles as a red zone guy too, and I think Baker Mayfield's a totally legitimate candidate to throw like forty touchdowns this year. Yeah, so that I got a lot to choose from. We'll uh, we'll be we'll be picking that back up. If you don't, if you don't go with Goddard, there, I do have a tight end in this article, and we've talked about him before. I think Jordan Thomas, who goes about two hundred and fourteen. That's called a segue, folks. Yeah, that's a segue, and uh, to one of my honest to god favorite players in the in the pool this year, favorite values anyway. It's not like I think Jordan Thomas is the next Antonio Gates or something. Let's not rule it out. But that's not my specific prediction. Uh, I'm just I'm just kind of deferring to like, all right. We know that Will Fuller and Kiki Kuti get hurt quite a bit. We have reason to think Deshaun Watson will throw 30 or so touchdowns this year. Last year, as a 22 year old rookie, Jordan Thomas was targeted on in the red zone for one third of his targets. So we know he's not going to be like a 700 800 yard t- uh, tight end. But I think he's got a real route to eight or more touchdowns. He seems pretty good. He's like a huge, just you know, towering presence with a big wingspan, really big hands. He can do the one-handed catches pretty easily. And he played more last year than Jordan Akins, who was a third-round pick, yeah. whereas Thomas was in the sixth round. So there was no reason for the team to show any favoritism to Thomas. And not only that, he was almost five years younger than Jordan Akins, and he was already better, basically. So uh, with Ryan Griffin gone, I think Thomas is a pretty good tight end like a great tight end three and if you're going with a two tight end look which i generally do in the tournament style payouts i'm going at him quite a bit in that like second to last or last round oh yeah i think i think that that's a really good case and i I think that um there's also like just you know a little more anecdotal but watson likes to use the tight ends i mean dating back to his days in college and i think you know if thomas is the one that's winning the snaps in in that offense out of the tight end spot and being the red zone presence that he is whereas like maybe a will fuller or qt that it's not really specifically their skill set so if teams just you know allocate all their resources to trying to stop deandre hopkins there yeah thomas probably is facing a little bit less in terms of uh tight coverage and i think that he can he obviously showed last year that he can exploit that yeah and he he had a totally decent uh per target it was i think it was eight yards a target had four touchdowns last year so you don't want to just assume that red zone production will always be there touchdowns are volatile but this is a guy who profiles uniquely well in red zone functions on a team with only one notable red zone target with a quarterback who figures to throw among the lead leaders in touchdowns so that's just that's just enough for me in the last round. I don't really need to know more. Yeah, and and again, like the sort of underlying theme of this article is you're getting these guys essentially for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, unless I'm in the draft, then you probably need to take Thomas in the 16th. But uh, which I don't 
really advise, but I mean, I'm going to take him in the 17th a lot of the time if you don't. Uh, but that's just me. I don't think, like, I don't usually see him get picked in drafts if I don't take him. Interesting. Okay. So that might change. We'll see. He's got a hamstring thing right now that certainly, like any player who's heard, it's worth paying attention to. No indication yet that it's anything particularly bad, but that, you know, got to mention it. Keep an eye on that. Absolutely. Um, so shifting uh, gears from tight end, uh, let's go to the running back position again. Uh, let's go to the well. Um, Gus Edwards. I think he's someone that I, I've had a hard time figuring out this draft season because he can do a lot of the stuff that Mark Ingram can do. Um, I still can't figure out what the third down situation is going to look like in Baltimore. And, yeah. and they're, they're early reports and, you know, I don't know how seriously to take these yet, but they're saying like, you know, we trust Mark Ingram on third down yeah, in, he's in his own right. So, I mean, he's, he's fine at that. Edwards, not, not really your pass catching guy. So no. he's a guy that you're going to be looking at on standard down work showed really a lot of promise with that last year. He came into the off season with the Ravens coach, John Harbaugh saying, yeah, he's our RB one. Obviously their actions thereafter suggested otherwise, but Edwards still a useful guy. And especially like the way that he runs, if you're, if you're just like rotating him in and bringing him in fresh, especially with the way that he was able to get positive yardage last year, I don't think anybody with at least 50 carries, maybe 70 carries. I forget what the, what the mark was that I set, but uh, no one had a better positive run percentage than, than Edwards a year ago. Yeah, I guess on our tracking, he's 98th percentile among general running backs. That's obviously hard to sustain. You want to assume he'll fluctuate a little just on the basis of bad luck but, like but he if averaged we, if we were to tell you like hey that he's elite at getting pot at not oh, totally. getting stop behind the line you would buy that because of the rest of his skill set yeah and also the way his skill set fits in the offense's function relative to lamar jackson because it's it's specifically that one setup where it's like the read where jackson either it, it could be play action it could just be you know a total fake setup but there's also the fact that if it is a run, if they do read that they're going to do run, they still make the second read as to whether it's going to be Edwards or it's going to be Jackson. And if it's Edwards, he's just doing the Jonathan Dwyer at Georgia Tech thing where he's just putting his head down and trying to run through limbs in the middle of the field. And he was really good at it last year. And part of it is that the the setup suits him. Like It's not that he's uh, you know a great running back talent league-wide or something. It's just that they know he works for their setup so why overthink it mm-hmm. and he's he's really good at that because Lamar Jackson's outside rushing threat freezes some of the containment outside you can't stuff the middle of the field against them when they're giving you that look or else Jackson will take it and you're going to give up you, you would much rather give up five yards to Edwards than 80 to Lamar Jackson so it's always going to be there I think and he did really good last year and, and even if he doesn't get quite the same positive yard percentage even if he's only like 70 percentile instead of 98 he averaged 5.2 yards per carry. So as long as he's at like 4.3 or better, I think they leave him in that role. Um, and, and that by that role, I mean back up to, to Mark Ingram, of course, and uh, completely invisible in passing situations. But he might see, I think, a surprising amount of early game first and second down work. Like Mark Ingram is the third down back. So he won't have as many first and second down snaps as people assume generally, I think. Okay. I, I think it's a, that like sums it up perfectly right now because I think everyone's assumption uh, coming into camp was first and second down is settled. They have Mark Ingram. We don't know who this third down back is. Right. Now, now it's a little bit different. Yeah, and it could be Ingram for all three. But, I mean, he's 
he had a lot of durability troubles in the early part of his career. He's going to be 30 this winter. So, I don't know. The general zero running back theory of betting on injuries has some documented merit to it. And as long as that's the case, then Gus Edwards being the second in line, or maybe even kind of like the 1B for early down work makes him someone who's, you know, it's, it's, it's a team that should run a lot and run well, and it's the last round. Who cares? It's the last round. Who cares? Exactly. So he's free, and I think that, you know, you make a really good, compelling uh, upside case uh, for him as well. Uh, moving back outside to the pass-catching game here, um, a guy that we've talked about for a while now, and we still don't really know what it, what it all is, but there are tools there. There is like the, he's the definition of like upside without anything to like really show for it to this point in his career. But John Ross, yeah. So he's got a hamstring issue that will keep him out probably till mid August at least, and who knows? He could make a whole year of it probably. But in the <laughs> meantime, a real of it. yeah. So in the meantime, though. We have to remember AJ Green looks like he's going to miss what, what like up to a month of the f- the season. Yeah, yeah, that that whole reporting was insane to me. They're like, "Oh, he's got this ankle thing. Oh, he's getting surgery. Oh, he's going to be fine for week 1." Actually, sucks. oh, he got ankle surgery, so no. God, this is shaping up to be like AJ Green is the receiver Corey Dillon and he doesn't even get to go to another team to win a Super Bowl in his last like dignified season it's like they just ruined him way to go Cincinnati yeah but AJ Green is awesome that sucks but with him not being on the field I mean I know that Cody Core, Alex Erickson are there Josh Malone is there I would sooner bet on Malone than the first two as much as Malone has done nothing at all but Ross had seven touchdowns last year and he had that on 21 catches. Of course, the per target numbers were, you know, impossibly dreadful. 21 catches on 58 targets for 210 yards is insane. But I, I wish I, I feel like it was uh, Ben Gretsch, was it, with CBS, I think, had uh, a, a tweet once, uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, about how basically there were. I, I, I'm not I don't know for sure so please don't blame him if I'm quoting this wrong but something only like maybe half of those 58 targets were actually catchable more that, or less that's important to know and um Ross still dropped a lot of the catchable ones he had six drops which is a ton but he's he's so weird because he was dominant at Washington like he was not a workout warrior who just was trash in college and then went in the first round just because of the 4-2-2 40-yard dash. Like, he was awesome. He was better than Dante Pettis at Washington, and I think most of us by now think that Dante Pettis looks rather good. I think Ross is just kind of yips-prone, and he gets hurt a lot, of course. But in the last round, let's say he gives you 10 games this year, and four of them are when A.J. Green is not on the field. He's the kind of player who, and you can see this on the fact that he had seven touchdowns last year on 21 catches – he can just kind of go he, he can he'll perhaps miss a lot more of his opportunities than the average receiver but he can just get to the end zone a lot easier than most players too and that's that's just in general let alone in the 18th round and specifically in the 18th round it's not worth in my opinion thinking so much about John Ross's you know non-existent floor because who in the 18th round has a floor worth chasing anyway like really sneed yeah it's like you're like well that guy can get you at least 500 yards okay 
you might as well just quit in the 17th round go on auto pick it doesn't matter but ross had seven touchdowns on 21 catches last year and i don't know half of his targets were from jeff driscoll so he's been immensely disappointing but if he were in this is a very long shot scenario but if he went for a thousand yards six or seven touchdowns this year he would basically be on the same career trajectory as someone like Santana Moss, who also had a lot of early career injury troubles before he finally got it together in his third or fourth year. So if A.J. Green is not on the field, Tyler Boyd can only get so many targets. They don't have an obvious target at tight end. Gio Bernard and Joe Mixon can only do so much. And Ross runs a 4-2-2. It's, if he's, is he, anybody who runs a 4-2-2 getting enough targets, I don't care. They could be the worst hands in the league. Like that's just not speed and opportunity you find in that round. No, exa- exactly. And and you know, I was not to dog Willie Sneed or anything, but um, yeah, I think that again, you're talking about the non-existent floor of, of the other guys at that spot. So you might as well just take a moonshot. And yeah, four two two is is the definition thereof. Yeah, it's like what I I can't take John Ross. He's too risky. I'm going to take like Demarcus Robinson instead or something like. Well, it would be one thing if there were other receivers in that round who had floor worth pursuing, but there is no Jalen Richard of receivers this year who falls that far. So with that, I mean Ross, at least you know even if he's burned you to until this he's point, on IR, you're getting him for free until he's on IR on Monday. Uh, until then, I think he's pretty easily a, a buy. If, if you're looking for a, an eighth receiver, a seventh receiver, and it's in the last round. All right, so here's a name who I kind of gave the, the blinking guy uh, gif a reaction to, especially because I got his teammate uh, a lot, like 100 picks earlier than where his ADP is going. That's Maurice Harris. I went ahead and grabbed and Keel Harry around like pick 110 or something like that, if I, or 120, if I remember correctly. I, I like that pick, but Harris, what's the case for him? I really don't know. I can't remember a player quite like him because even somebody like Mike Furry was probably productive in college on his college team or something. And if he wasn't, it was probably because he had other good players on that team. Neither of those apply in the case of Harris. Where Shout out Mike Furry, by the way. Nice. Yeah, I was trying to think of the, the receiver I most wanted to insult who had like 100 catches in a season or something. Um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was like him, Wayne Corbett. I don't know. I can't remember. Wayne Corbett had a good career. Yeah, totally. I just mean like the whole, uh, you know, have it, having like a season where normally it's like this is an all pro, you know, figure, a guy with like 90, 100 catches. You know he's good. And then that actually is like the last year that he actually plays That's in the it, league. Yeah. Um, Maurice Harris might be that. But if he is that, then we, we need to take him seriously in the last part of the draft. And I think he's an easier easier buy on um best ball tens because in ppr that's where i'm less skeptical of harris and is what i perceive to be anyway lack of talent because he was on a california spread offense where and you would include steven anderson ahead of him if he hadn't moved to tight end at that point but there were at least four receivers who outproduced him there none of which were nfl prospects uh like they got a look but they they've i think they're all out of the league now except for trevor davis and he might be out of the league soon. There was also Darius Powell, Kenny Lawler, and Bryce Treggs. They all outproduced Maurice Harris at California. But Maurice Harris, and then Maurice Harris had trash numbers with uh, Washington the last couple of years too. So looks really bad in terms of skill. But he, I, I guess you could almost call it like a a wide receiver 
situation kind of analogous to Gus Edwards in Baltimore. I mean, I think Edwards is, is pretty promising as a player, but the reason he's useful or a, a value worth pursuing is because of his fit in the offense and the way that the offense uh, just does a money ball thing with him, basically. Like, I don't know if Harris would be any good for any other team, but with these Patriots practices, all the press surrounding that team is saying he's like the best non-Edelman receiver so far. Uh, that Part of that is that they're saying Harry is doing a terrible job, and I don't know what to make of that. I don't expect it to continue. Even not jumping true. off yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really like buying at the moment, but it doesn't mean that I'm I'm racing to get Maurice Harris in the 12th round or something. Sure. But in the last round, I was like, well, why the hell not? Like, especially in PPR, because I don't think Harris can score touchdowns, but Tom Brady will probably complete passes if he's throwing them. Whoever is out there will be the person who catches it. It doesn't even really matter who they are. And Harris looks like he'll be the guy for now. Okay. All right. So that, that's definitely that's a an eye opening one to me. I I hadn't really considered him. He's my uh, new Rob yet. Kelly. I just I just refuse to believe any of this is happening. But <laughs> in the last round, and it's in best ball, especially in PPR again. Uh, but I also think he's he's a pretty easily justified target in the last couple rounds on draft. Also. Okay. So rounding things out, any other uh, late round guys that you wanted to touch on before we wrap things up? Um. I think we got to the big ones. The other ones that I listed were Dexter Williams, who's just really interesting right now because Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams both are sitting with hamstring issues. Both of those guys have durability problems in their recent past and distant past too. So Dexter Williams, I mean, he was really productive for Notre Dame last year. He only fell to the sixth round in part because of character concerns. Mm Mm-hmm. He might be just as good of a prospect. I mean, I think he's a better prospect than Jamal Williams was. Sure. Uh, Aaron Jones, probably not, but Aaron Jones was really good at UTEP, so uh, that's not to say Dexter can't be good, too. But otherwise, listen, Deion Kane, who I like a lot as a Devin Funches, T.Y. Hilton fade slash insurance policy, I think he's really talented. He's not as He fell to the sixth round because of character concerns, specifically work ethic, and now the Colts, all their coaches say, He's just such an amazing worker. So in that case, it's like, well, is he a high five-star recruit again? Is right, he yeah. is he the next Sammy Watkins again? Uh, don't that, that's not what I'm saying. He is. I'm just saying that's what he was supposed to be at Clemson, and he only fell short of that because apparently he wasn't putting in the work. Apparently now he is. And if Andrew Luck and his calf get in line, then you know there's going to be passing stats up for grabs there. T.Y. Hilton can get hurt. Funches can get hurt or just be terrible. Uh, I like Kane in the last round to, uh, you know, go against both of those possibilities. And then Richard Higgins is the other guy, and you can read up that one. Um, there's no paywall on these best ball journals, by the way. So uh, you don't need a Rotowire subscription to read them. But Richard Higgins is ahead of Callaway, and I'm fading Jarvis Landry, so I'm interested in Higgins. Love it. And yeah, the, these have been great uh, entries like all off season long. And, and now now we're kind of getting, you know, real tangible stuff from the training camp. So it's fun to kind of conflate the, you know, what's going on out there and seeing uh, what the market response tends to be on best balls. But that's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the Rotowire NFL podcast brought to you by Yahoo DFS. We'll be back again with another podcast coming up tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everybody.
only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.